Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting, answering the big questions in film. Andy Gillard here, hope you're keeping well in the sweltering heat in the British summer or whatever summer you may be experiencing out there. Hi guys, Matt Guy here. I've shrunk an inch out of sweat, but I'm really looking forward to being uh, with you this evening. Yeah, Stu Hall here, who also normally only shrinks in the winter, but I know exactly what Matt's talking about here. <laughs> How are we all doing, gents? We we okay? We we surviving? We haven't melted yet. How have how have you not got a vest on? I, I don't own a vest. I mean, I was going to sit here topless, but I didn't want to put you pair through that. Well, we're all friends here, Geoffrey. Exactly. <laughs> thank God, thank God, we're not on uh, on YouTube yet. That's all. <laughs> we'll save that when we when we go Patreon in a few exactly. years' time. <laughs> right, so. Comic book films. I know, Stu, I know you're a big fan of the MCU. Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with comic book films? Are you a Marvel guy, DC? Do you not care? What? Where, where do you fit with this yeah, all? I don't really... I'm, I'm not um, tribal when it comes to, like, Marvel or DC. I would just like... Kind of... I'd like DC to do what they do better. Um, mm. Because I think they've got... Arguably, the more interesting characters, but I just think the execution of some of their films aren't um, anywhere near to the level of Marvel. But my understanding is, is there's DC noir, isn't there? In that like that arc that's coming forward, or they're looking at like a darker edge to some of their films going forward, um, which I think yeah. will be really interesting. Um, but I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not really. I don't. Um, I'm a nomad when it comes to that camp. Uh, <laughs> but I think obviously the MCU has had its its monopoly of the market recently. Mm. We've pretty much a consistent what is it 23 films in a row that have at least captured the 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 um the attention of you know the comic book audience Stu, so i know obviously you're a massive fan of the mcu and we've had many an argument about it <laughs> <laughs> so do you just want to tell us a little bit about what it does for you why you think it's so good let's put it this way it's perfect popcorn foddering that's exactly what it is it it knows what it is but the Within the whole, just stand on the MCU for a minute. You have got films in there like I've said it. We've seen it many times. Winter Soldier is genuinely one of the best films I've seen, maybe ever, just on its own as a as a spy film. It doesn't even matter that it's a comic book based and anything like that. Um, so you've got a bit, even though there's 23 films, depending on how you look at it with the uh, Spider Verse as well. Um, there is. There's a bit. There's, there's something for everyone in them films for me. So you could, you could Iron Man, which started it all. Great action film in its own right. But then if you want to get really, really nerdy, you go for like Doctor Strange and stuff like that, mm. and Ant Man. But then you've got the populist vote with Spider Man films. So it's just a bit of everything. I just love them. I just love them for the, the let's say camp. There's not much camp in the MCU really compared to the old Spider, the old Rami films. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just love them. I mean, I'll, it's the only, uh, say, collection of films that I've bought on 3D Blu-ray. All of them. It's about wow. 300 quid's worth. Jeez. And I've got like box sets that come as box sets, but not individual films in a series like the Bond ones. I, I never even bought them. But the MCU, I love it so much. I bought them all there. And to be fair, the same with the DC films as well. I've got them all. Mm. Just for the fact that you can watch them. In crisp Blu-ray quality and all that kind of gubbins. 
Apart from, obviously, Suicide Squad, which is shit. That, that, you know, there is a good film in there. It just needs a very good editor to cut a lot of the shit out. It would make... It's a major it, issue. It would make... It, there's probably a good episode, an hour's worth of TV in that film that's yeah. decent. I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, obviously, we're here today to discuss Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Um, these don't actually fit into the MCU. These were... Well, the first one was filmed a year before the MCU was really uh, in full swing with Iron Man. So it was 2007. So let's start then with 2007's Ghost Rider. It's said that the West was built on legends. Tall tales that help us make sense of things too great or too terrifying to believe. This is the legend of the Ghost Rider. Right, so am I the only person who was immediately put off this film where it starts with this long, rambling voiceover that seems to tie into nothing? Like, Matt, what, what were you, you thinking as soon as you just heard this Sam Elliott voiceover? <laughs> you know what my first note is for this film? Starts off like it's going to be right up my street. So. <laughs> 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 I think we're going to know how this is going to go. Um, okay. yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, <laughs> I just thought, okay, I'm interested in this, but I think this is going to be a tale of this podcast, really. Yeah. Um, I thought it started off with kind of like fun visuals, um, especially when we go into like meeting the devil and everything else. But um, Stu, what was your initial thoughts on it? I'll, I'll just put unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> For once, Stewie's on my team. I'm like, <laughs> yes, stunned. <laughs> so I remember, I remember watching this at the time, and this was after we'd watched like things like Daredevil and all the one-offs that were just—they're all very much of a muchness. Mm-hmm. And up until this, where you had obviously you had X Men that was standalone on its own at the time, being decent, and then this came along, and I remember at the time thinking, "This isn't the same standard, is it?" Mm. And that's straight away, I thought, this is exactly what I'm remembering here. So, yeah, straight off the bat, we get some Sam Elliott voiceover. He's explaining that a ghost rider once outran the devil himself. So in the books, the original de- um, the original ghost rider was called Carter Slade. Uh, when Johnny Blaze came along, they changed ghost rider Carter Slade. They changed him to the Phantom Rider. So maybe it was just because I knew this that it sort of spoiled the rest of the film for me. But <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I thought it was just utterly inconsequential, that beginning. All, all it's done is he's told us there are other ghost riders in history, but we don't even know who our ghost rider is at this point. So mm, it just true. felt a little bit pointless personally, but that was just me. Well, what, I like, um, what I liked about it, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, you know, me and you were both big fans of the, well, I know you were certainly the comic book as well as the show Preacher. Yeah. Um, and I liked, I don't know, I liked that that feel about it with the um, the killer of angels and everything on that side of things. And I just, I liked, I, I just thought it, I don't know, I, I'm trying to justify myself now compared to you two. <laughs> but I just felt like it was, um, it was a, good way of introdu- introducing kind of what's going on and then bringing it straight into the the, the modern day, you know, current time with it. But it's horses for courses, isn't it? I think that's, I think that's probably what it is, that 
we both knew Ghost Rider anyway because Ghost Rider is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had no idea what you were watching, like if you were if you were a bird being took by your uh, on a date, and this is oh we're going to see Ghost Rider, it's got Nicolas Cage, it'll be great. And you're sitting there and you think, what the hell is this? It does kind of it does hit you on the nose with this is exactly what this film is. So mm-hmm. in that maybe ma- yeah yeah maybe it is that the, the populace voted me just too nearly to uh, quite appreciate it quite possibly. For me, a voiceover at the start of the film, it's only acceptable in gumshoe, hard-boiled film noir movies. You want the detective's voiceover at the beginning. I'm cool with that. But this tried to add a little bit of um, importance to something that wasn't really there, especially at this point, straight off the bat. Anyway, so we cut to the circus where we see two stunt riders. I thought the dad was Sean Bean for a minute. Yeah. I got really excited thinking, fucking Sean Bean. But it, then it wasn't, and I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> Especially as we know that he's going to die soon. <laughs> Barton Blaze is immediately seen lighting up a fag, a cigarette for our American listeners, that will be, uh, before coughing his guts up, just to make sure we know he's about to die. Yes. They, they make sure they're like, keep an eye on him, lads, come on. <laughs> the, the thing that got me was when Barton tried to give Johnny some advice. I will quote to you what he actually said to him. Every choice you make has a consequence. When you do things without thinking, you ain't making the choice. The choice is making you. Do you understand that? Absolutely not. That makes no fucking sense. (laughs) That is the worst. With great power comes great responsibility line Mm. I have ever heard. (laughs) Again, they try to give it this, this feeling of portents that just isn't there. We get more coffee and then he lights up another cigarette. Old man Blaze, God bless him. He's not long for this world. We then meet the love interest, Roxy, who, while she looks nothing like her now, grows up to be Ava, Ava, Eva Mendes. Johnny and Roxy decide to run away together. That is until Johnny goes home and starts snooping through the beans for some reason (laughs) and sees a partly crumpled up letter from the hospital telling him that old man Blaze is about to kick the bucket. Why do they do this trope in films? Mm. Like his dad, who, if I remember correctly, had fallen asleep uh, or was drunk and fell asleep. He could have just left the letter out. Instead, he's partly crumpled it up and left it on the top of the bin. It's just such a cliche. Like, I don't know, bugged me, but... I'll get to cliches because there's quite a few of them as we go through this film. I think it, 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 they didn't even need to say it, just the state of him. You could tell he was going to die. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you could have had him a couple of scenes where one with him starting to cough, and then you could have another one of him coughing up blood. That's, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Show, don't tell, as we've said a few times already on this film. That's how you get people interested. Yeah. So we now meet the demon. Which, right, Mephistopheles is what they've called him in this. Apologies if I've butchered that. Mephistopheles. So he's obviously supposed to be Mephistopheles, isn't it? Is that the the demon character, I believe? Yeah. But they've somehow tried to fancy it up for the movie. Obviously played by Peter Fonda, because, of course, we need the easy rider as a bad guy (laughs) in this film. So Mephisto, which would be, I believe, the Greek translation, and this is also what he's referred to in the comic books, he offers Johnny the chance to save his dad's life in exchange for Johnny's soul. Johnny signs, sort of, on the line. Why would the devil just accept a paper cut as the signature? No, <laughs> I thought that. That was strange, to be fair. Yeah. 
But then, yeah, he signs, and then we get a cut where immediately he wakes up in bed as though it was all a dream. In the scene before this one, right, so Johnny remarks that it was late to his dad. He said, oh, it's late. I'm going to go and fix the, th- the whatever, and his dad goes to bed. Uh, and then we see him waking up in the morning, so we know that only a few hours have passed in, in actual like chronological time. In that time, his dad has been to the doctors, got x-rays, and got <laughs> all clear in the time that he's taken before Johnny's even woken up. Booper. Mm. Well, <laughs> you don't know, if you're, uh, if you're selling your soul, it might put you in bed till after 12. You don't know, do you? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. But again, <laughs> par for the fucking course with this film. <laughs> Uh, so, old man Blaze dies in the next scene. We see his bike skid off the ramp. For some reason, even though he goes off the ramp through the ring of fire, they then pick him back up and put him on top of the ramp to die there. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. And also, that death scene was worse than Meg Ryan's in City of Angels yes. from the other week. Like, nothing happened. It was a skid. He hasn't, like, set himself on fire or anything. Johnny is now devastated and he goes to the green screen crossroads to meet the devil. Why did they do that scene at green screen? It looked awful. I've, I've got it here. Laughable CG. I've got it a few times throughout this because yeah. it, it never gets any better, does it? It's a bit of a shocker. They do some they do some really strange things in this film. Like there were some like visuals that I thought were really excellent up to this yeah. point. Um, so like the, the visual of him when he's at the fairgrounds, so he stood in front of a sign uh, like a fairground devil and he's there and i thought it looked really cool mm. um and then in the next scene when um when his dad dies they've made him look like senator palpatine and i don't i don't know my this sounds really strange my devils are a lot sexier than this but you know like end of days devil or like mm. other incarnations of the devil like elizabeth hurley in bedazzled, maybe I don't know, <laughs> but there. I don't know. It just seems strange that this is a more senior, um, senior devil. Mm. I'm not sure if that's if that's part of the the story, like you know, if if there's history to this or something. But I think they failed to really explain the fact that he wasn't the devil, but he was a demon. Okay. Well, yeah, because I. <laughs> yeah, it, it it doesn't come across, and unless you know it, you wouldn't know it from the film. Right, right. The only the only way I knew that was the Crossroads demon from Supernatural, and it was a Crossroads. That's the only reason. That's the only way I figured I got it got to me. So I remember it's a long time ago when I watched this, so I got no clue. Um, but as soon as he he got to the Crossroads, I thought, oh, that's this is where it's happening. Then this is where he's going to be told. Crossroads course, demons. Everyone goes to the Crossroads to sell their soul. It's just how it's done. Yeah, and there's never any markings on the road either. No, of course not. <laughs> Have we uncovered the secret meaning to that Blazing Squad song, then? I'll meet you at the crossroads. <laughs> is this what this is all about? The Blazing Squad are actually demons. Yeah, could be. <laughs> <laughs> that is a deep cut for anyone who wasn't born in the 80s or possibly <laughs> early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a flash forward. I'd love, love to know how many years we've gone from when Johnny's at the crossroads to now. Because... To go from young Roxy to Eva Mendes, maybe seven or eight years. To go from young Johnny to <laughs> Nicolas Cage, maybe 25, 26 years. Like, he looks so much older than mm. weird. I looked into it, and 
uh, Nick Cage is 10 years older than Eva Mendes. But he looks even older than that, especially in this. I mean, she looks incredible. And yeah. he looks shredded, but he's, he looks haggard at the same time, like facially. So a bit of a weird one there, I thought. And there is one with this as well, with his looks while we're on it. This is actually the first time it's confirmed wig watch. That it, oh, it was a, Yeah. Oh, oh, that's my he? next point. That is where I was going next. Yeah. Rewatch yeah. is uh, in full swing on this one. Thanks to uh, my mate Aston for sending us the brilliant Nick Cage video on Wogan from years ago. Awesome. Um, where he, he was having, what, was it mid 96 that video? And he, yeah. he's got full on flowing locks. And it kind of dispelled the wig watch rumour altogether. But now, wig watch in full flow. And yes. it's obvious. Yes. And apparently, it took him three hours every day he was on set to apply oh that wig. Three hours. I'll go out on a limb. It really wasn't worth it. <laughs> it really <laughs> no. wasn't worth it. That's got to be some kind of tax fraud thing, claiming three hours of costs to keep costs <laughs> down, because that can't, that can't be right. Yeah, not a good one. <clears throat> so we're supposed to buy that Cage and Mendes are the same age, which is very strange. But here we are in this this setting where they're reunited at last. Grown up Johnny Blaze, he's still a stunt rider, and Roxy, uh, she's now a reporter. So the first time we see grown up Johnny, we see him come off his bike and he's out cold, like he smashes his head off the bike and then rolls. He's clearly got some sort of injury. And uh, Donald Logue, whose character I've immediately forgotten the name, he runs over, takes his helmet off and slaps him round the face to wake him up. <laughs> he certainly does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you do with someone who may have broken their fucking neck. So now we're off to the biker bar with more cliches. We get the icy man from the fiery pits of hell rocks up and presumably kills everybody, draining their life forces. Then he gets water, sand and air demons appear and talk about their evil bad guy plan to take over the world. Evil laugh, evil laugh. It, it was so cliched. They start talking about the San Verganza um, contract, like we're supposed to know what the fuck that means. And it was all to rule the world. And it's like, oh, mate, just give me something a little bit different. You know, it's paint by numbers doesn't quite even begin to cover how cliched this stuff was. This is the part where I start, I actually got into it. Shock horror. But, <laughs> and I thought, like I said earlier, in this scene, the CG was great. The CG worked perfectly. And everything of it, I thought, okay, fully ham it up, fully go comic book. Embrace yourself. Yeah. And I, I we'll go on to it in a minute. As soon as he steps out of the bar, and Fessily, or whatever we're going to call him, turns up again. And he, and he says, Father. I thought, oh, for fuck's sake. This is it, though. <laughs> it's, it, you've ruined, you had two minutes of fun, and now you've ruined it again. Yeah. The, the father line was very much like when uh, we got introduced to um, Castor, uh, to Pollock's Troy, with the bro line, wasn't yeah. it? it was, we, we need to telegraph it because you might be idiots, so and we need to make sure you don't miss anything. Mm. The, 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 with, with, this, with this saying, like, I just want my bad guys to to feel like a threat and i just <laughs> i didn't like i just i just didn't think that these guys like you just you just i think you knew before the film even kicked off that these are just going to be these are just minor boss battles the you know sand 
on the water and everything and the smoke or whatever it was um as a way to have like exciting visuals not actually to be a threat to to ghost rider in any way shape or form and there was some really like awful cheesy lines or or or, or one-liners from these characters or what, what was the guy's what was his name the dark something or another um was it blackheart was the blackheart that's it and, and the rest were just interchangeable demons like um i think he's seen later he just he says to, he says to gas he goes i don't think so and i was just like oh god it's like <laughs> uh, like yeah. it's just the worst like some of the some of the exchanges between the characters were just so like made for made for kids in a film that i assume is made for adults or or made for at least kind of late teens mm-hmm. you just you sent a shiver up my spine it was that like it was that cringeworthy <laughs> yeah and I, I thought that the makeup and stuff in this scene well, for the the bad guys in general was terrible like i've seen better looking bad guys in doctor who this just looked really hokey and mm. I, 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 I like don't get me wrong i, I realize they're demons we're not supposed to believe in them but like at least try and make them look a little bit more believable than what yeah. they did by just banging a bit of fucking eyeliner on. Like I've seen <laughs> the Undertaker. Like the Undertaker Mark Calloway was more like scary than these fuckers. It, yeah, it's really piss poor. I thought that was. You know the, the makeup in Underworld. How, yeah. How excellent that was in, through the whole series. Mm. It's a complete contrast to this. And how how many years later was this? And it's like you you couldn't have one thing or the other where you had decent CG with the um, where people are just being obliterated and then the leftovers and stuff. That was pretty cool. Mm. But then you look at them and it looks like they've been it looks like they've been putting in a nursery and the kids are drawn on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, it, um, looked, looked unprofessional. I thought to be perfectly honest. So the next scene we move on to Johnny Blaze and he's about to jump on the anniversary of his father's death. I didn't like this scene either. The the, the meet cute between grown up Roxy and Johnny, I thought it was painful. Oh. I thought that the whole setup of it, where he walks out of that room, but he's he, he's then in this room with which seemed to be a corridor that led straight out to people. It just looked so false, and again, it looked green screen. I don't even know if it was, but it, it was clearly a film set. It wasn't. It didn't look realistic in the slightest. And then she interviews him. And rather than sticking around and waiting to see what happens with the jump and then interview him again, she fucks off. Like, what kind of journalist are you? <laughs> I quite like the exchange during the interview. I thought that, that that was quite quite funny how he, she was trying to interview him and he was just interested in finding out how she was doing. I thought it was, you know, it was a, a slight break from the really cringeworthy dialogue between the two. I thought that was pretty funny. But then the following scene, when he's chasing her on the bike. Yeah. And then they have the conversation after that. He's a return to form. A complete return to form. Oh, it's just so stunted and I don't want to I don't st- wanna I don't want to spoil my bad for the good, the bad and the crazy in this film. Mm. But um Roxy could have been a broomstick in this film. There's no there's no there's no reason for it to be there yeah. apart there's from there's no plot, character as, as a plot device. Um yeah. Awful love story I've got there. Um it's worse worse than Captain Corelli's mandolin. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, because at least that had heart. This is like well, Blackheart's ripped this out. Um, <laughs> nice. 
but uh, it's it's almost like again it's three films in one and it doesn't know what it wants to be mm. yeah and it, it it jumps from scene to scene just doing exactly that it turns from one film into another mm. constantly yeah so at the end of this segment that we were just talking about johnny blaze asks roxy out on a date and she accepts roxy is at the table waiting for johnny to, to appear it then cuts to him still in the house and he's just about to transform into the rider like he should surely be at the restaurant about to turn into the <laughs> rider not still at his home he yeah, had no like... intention of ever going to the restaurant did he the bastard no I mean, you don't stand. You don't stand up, even Mendes. Do you like that? That's just certainly do not. <laughs> so he then goes off. He fights the four, de- the four demons and turns the Sandman into glass. He then gives the street thug the penance there, killing him, and then collapses in a graveyard where he meets the narrator from the beginning, an hour after we were introduced to the character. So we <laughs> finally meet Sam Elliott. Any thoughts on that first fight scene where we see him take out the Sandman dude and then fight the, uh, the I say fight the street thug, he just gives him the pen and stare and it's all over? I thought it all looked a bit shit, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there wasn't much in the way of jeopardy. I mean, I know he's going to be the good guy and he's obviously going to win the first fight, but it, there was thought... no fight. It was just an action and it was done. I thought the... Um... And I know they've got to introduce it for how they're going to finish the film, but with the street thug, the whole uh, this is the you've got evil in your soul or whatever the whole spiel was, hmm. and essentially kills him was a little extreme. Like, as far as we're aware, this guy's a petty thug, not a murderer. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just thought this was a little, this was a little, okay, are we not like scaring this guy into not doing it again? Are we not trying to change his life, not kill him dead? I just thought it was a real... I know they've got to force that in so he can do it so we know how the film's going to end. But I just thought that was a strange... You know, he's he's not actually so virtuous after all, which I suppose is the point, but it just seemed a bit overkill to me. Yeah, Yeah. no mercy. No mercy whatsoever. If if you're a bad apple, then you're dying. Simple as. Straight away. Yeah, exactly. I did think about the, um, the fight scene. I thought, well, if he's been... This iteration of this Ghost Rider, and this is the first time he's come out... Um... I thought he'd be a bit a bit janky and a bit like uneasy in his new body kind of thing. I thought that that's the angle they were gonna go for. And mm. to be fair, the trans the transformation part was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I liked it. Uh, yeah. I'll give him that. But yeah, it did seem very over and done with pretty fast, considering he's been contained away for years on end. Yeah. Because obviously in this next scene when we get to meet Sam Elliott, um it's obviously the first time that Johnny Blaze has experienced this transformation. So he's struggling to come to grips with what's going on. So you'd think when he had actually transformed, it would have been a struggle. Yeah, it, that's it what would I have been a learning curve for him, mm. but they didn't really show that, which I thought was weird. How much do we think? Because um, I thought that the transformation was, was good for two reasons, really. Partly for its really inconsistent CGI, which in this bit was good, but a lot of the way for how Cage did it. I thought he did a really excellent job, but I wonder what you guys, how much of his inspiration from Face Off Cage do you think that was? Because it was, <laughs> there was there was a lot of, you know, batshit crazy Cage in, in that transformation. I've got in my notes, I can't remember if it's on this one or when we discuss the next film, 
it felt a little bit forced to me. Um, like cra- when it's Crazy Cage, it's brilliant. But when it's Nicolas Cage acting like he thinks Crazy Cage should be, mm-hmm. it just fit, falls a bit flat. I think and I know which I scene you're going to talk about. <laughs> it, it was that for me. I, I thought it just felt like he was forcing it and it didn't quite work. No, that's, that's definitely the next one in a bit. 25 yeah. minutes time. I've just remembered which scene it is as well. Yeah. I will point it when we get there. Yeah. But now, I, I, I thought, well, we haven't even mentioned how much of a fan of Ghost Rider Nicholas Cage is at this point. Yeah, I, I've got that note coming up, but carry on. Yeah. That it's the, the role he's wanting to play for his whole life, and he comes out and gives it absolutely everything that he can. Um, especially, let's just forget the second one for a minute. Let's just talk about this one. And I think I thought the transformation scene and doing it that way, and the fact that he is—it's a—it's a map over his face, isn't it? It's not—it's not the the motion capture of later on. It's just digital artists putting it on later on, so they're just taking his face off. Um, <laughs> so to go as crazy as he is in that in that sense works for me in this one. In this in this film, it works for me, and especially in this scene. Mm. But it was just. Even again, when he was talking to the um, let's, let's just call him the Phantom, just get it out, out the way. Um, when he's talking to him in the graveyard, and he's he starts being comical again for out of nowhere, yeah. It, what it was a weird what, aside, wasn't it? Yeah, well, what, what how has this happened? One day you've just killed people and you've woke up in it and your body's been transformed, and then you're laughing and joking again with a, a strange old man with an incredible voice, to be fair. Um, and it's all kind of, it is. It's all kind of. It's all too forced, too quickly. Mm. Even though it's over an hour into the film, you know, we're talking yeah. about. Um, you know, we were talking about like the dialogue being a bit hokey and forced as well. Um, <laughs> are we meant to believe that Ghost Rider is a 1930s New York gangster? By the way, because the first thing he does when he sees the sand guys go, "Hey, dirtbag." <laughs> <laughs> I just expected him to I say, even like, on to that. you're going to get whacked. Like I was expecting, it was just took it out for me. And speaking about dialogue, am I meant to understand what the caretaker's saying, Sam Elliott? Am I meant to be able to, um, because I was watching off a dodgy stream and I couldn't get subtitles and I needed it because I literally couldn't understand a word he was saying for the first like few lines. He was so like husky and croaky. I don't know if it was literally because like I had a bad copy or something, but it was indistinguishable. For me, what he was saying. He just said, this film is on Prime for free. Joking? <laughs> no. Oh, dear me. Well, I, no, I would have had it in all its 5.1 glory, or it was. <laughs> but yeah, you are right. It, it, it's it's very kind of, let's, let's tease the audience and make them think that they should know what you're thinking kind of situation. Yeah. It, it was almost said with a knowing wink. But if you don't know it, you don't know it, and it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and especially when they've telegraphed so many things already, mm. and then they start, they start going obscure over and over in. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. are you are you are right to be confused. This is it. Like I, this, this is something that I've got zero knowledge of prior prior to this. I, you know, and it, it has all of the all of the things you think I'd really enjoy because it's a uh, Harley Davidson, though never said. Uh, hard metal 
kind of fire brimstone story. So there's no reason why I wouldn't like it. But I just, it just never, it's never crossed my paths this um, this story before. Mm. Oh, also as a slight aside from what Stu mentioned before, with Nicolas Cage being a huge mark for uh, Ghost Rider, he actually had to have his Ghost Rider tattoo covered up to play this role. I didn't even realise he had a Ghost Rider tattoo <laughs> until I read this. Like, I've never met anyone who's a big fan of Ghost Rider. Of all the, the Marvel characters, he's not one that I associate as particularly interesting one. It's like, it's, like, it's like going to a Comic-Con and finding someone with a tattoo of... Like, you know, the Bugs Bunny people, which you, I have seen a couple of people with Bugs Bunny tattoos, to be fair. Mm. And it's like you walk up to someone and they've got the shoe people on their arm. <laughs> yeah it would be I wouldn't it i don't know if the shoe people's a thing for our american friends but look it up it's fun but uh, it is uh it's a very very niche of all niches this film and so mm-hmm. uh, so this is your favorite of all time fair enough each of their own yeah so yeah we now go back to johnny blaze's apartment and he poses topless holy cow nicholas cage is shredded to fuck for this role like, you, you could actually tell in that point, he has actually given it a lot to try and get in, not just good shape, but great shape for this this monstrosity of a film. <laughs> but yeah, fair I, play to him. I did wonder if that was him. And I had to, when I looked it up and he said, yeah, it actually was him. Well, yeah, fair play. But I was so unconvinced, but I thought, is this just a body double effect or is it something else? Is mm-hmm. it? Of everything, everything else that just makes zero sense in this film, I thought for some, for what to get shredded for one scene yeah. is a bit unnecessary. It's like five seconds of him topless in the whole two-hour film. I think I hope it was worth it, Nick. Jeez. Uh, so Roxy comes by to the apartment and she tells Blaze that she is leaving. So he tells her that he's a ghost rider. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she runs away, just assuming he's full of shit. The police then rock up and they arrest him, put him in jail, where all the inmates jump him for being that famous dude. I would have thought that being in a prison cell and then being recognised for being famous, they'd all be wanting his autograph or, I'd say selfie, but it's 2007 and that probably wasn't a thing back then. Mm. But it was just a bit weird that they wanted to kill him for being famous rather than, you know, have a high five with a famous guy. It was a bit strange. Two things here, right, that really confuse me i'll go back to the apartment for one just before she gets there he manages to fire a fireball or or set his hand on fire or something (laughs) like that right yeah but then explains to her that he's the ghost rider and she (laughs) doesn't believe him then all of a sudden (laughs) could have just gone well here you go woof no doesn't do that that's fine secondly all i could think about in this um prison in the in like the cell block scene was oh so ghost rider is like charmander if his flame goes out he dies <laughs> and that's what the sprinklers were i thought they were gonna like if if his fire goes out he dies and i thought like that's what they're gonna do with it and i thought okay so why the sprinklers gone off there was there's no ex- you know what i mean it, it just seemed needless and I, at, at any point have we explained a weakness to ghost rider does he have any um is there any jeopardy in this film at all? Because I, I, as far as I can see, he can just withstand anything, and there's no, there's there's no hint that he's ever gonna he's ever gonna really get hurt. No, he can't. It, it has to be at night, or he has to be in the shadow. That's the only thing that comes back at the end that he's got to fight from the shadows. 
Because when he's in the sunlight, mm-hmm. he changes back into Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. Because otherwise, even, yeah, cause he, even then he can't be killed. Even if you kill him as Johnny Blaze, because he's indestructible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just, just to me, took you know how um, you know you, you've got to be invested in things. So to be invested, you've got to have good villains, and you've got to have the your hero being legitimate danger for you to be you know actually invested in apart from just going along with emotions and i don't think in this film you have any of it you just you, you're you're a passenger on on a on a rail cart game where you it's so linear you can't go anywhere and that's the worst kind of game there is mm. I, I, I presume that be, you'd be talking some kind of doctor strange kind of witchcraft spells and stuff like that that'd be the only way to to capture the demon outside of his body and something like that that'd be the only way but physically no you i don't think you can there's nothing that's explained in this film anyway. No. And, and, like, Doctor Strange doesn't exist in this universe as we know it. So, Matt, Matt's right. We're basically presented with an indestructible character that leaves you with no jeopardy. Uh, so, he escapes the prison. He then goes on to kill Wind by creating a fan out of his chain. I don't know how that works, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back to Sam Elliott and he asks... Is this ever going to really end? Honestly, it doesn't feel like this film ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Elliott explains about the first Ghost Rider, Carter Slade. Like, did we honestly think at any point that Sam Elliott wasn't going to be the original Ghost Rider from the, the voiceover at the beginning? It was quite obvious that that was going to be the case, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like with these kind of things, you always need um, like an Abraham Whistler blades, Abraham Whistler to like, mm. yeah, the the wise old man to kind of guide the person, you know, the, the the person, especially with the like new powers and stuff like that. But they don't make it very, they don't make it very hard for you to see that that's coming, do they? Really, mm. it's too extreme for this film, like you said, Stu. It's either. Some things are so hidden, and unless you know this story to begin with, you're never going to get it. Or it's sh- shoved yeah. so far under your face, like smelling salts. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one or the other with this. Mm. So in the next scene, the remaining demons they attack Sam Elliott for whatever the MacGuffin is in in this movie. They then go after Blaze, but end up kidnapping Roxy. So Blaze and Elliot turn into their rider forms and go off to find her. Why didn't Sam Elliott just get a lift with Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze and then turn into his version of Ghost Rider and actually help him rather than <laughs> just go along for the, the journey? You couldn't have a horse on fire then, though, could you? I suppose. <laughs> but I was just like, what the fuck was the point in that? You've just used up the last of your Ghost Rider force or whatever you want to call it <laughs> just to go for like a few mile horse ride. Well, yes, this is the thing, twice. like, I, the one thing, the one thing that I thought, oh, here we go again, another cliche, they didn't bloody do in the first place, they didn't have him be vanquished, but, you know, to save new Ghost Rider, do you know what I mean? They just yeah. literally chaperoned him to the, um, <laughs> Yeah, that was it, yeah. That was it. <laughs> so then Blaze kills the Water Demon, and then he kills the Ice Demon, there isn't really a lot to say about these scenes here. It's just a fight, fight, fight. And that's all it is. There's no real story unfolding or anything for me. It was literally just, we'll kill the one dude and then we'll kill the other dude and then we'll have the conversation with 
the Mephisto demon dude. And that was pretty much the film mm-hmm. done at that point, wasn't it? It was a very lacklustre ending, I think is probably the best explanation from from myself anyway. What, what did we think of this ending, Matt? What are your opinions? It didn't it didn't do a lot for me. Um when um when he has the opportunity to relinquish the Ghost Rider curse or power or whatever you want to call it, the reason for him not doing it was strange. And then the little monologue that he gives shoehorning in Spirit of Vengeance mm. into it was strange. Uh, I don't know if they already had cast that film or knew they were going to do that film beforehand or whether it was on the back of it. It just, it's never really, it's, I still like I need to do some research on it because I still really don't understand. So, okay, so the devil or, or the demons giving you these powers now you're free of the contract, uh, but now you're going to carry on doing it. Are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? You're harvesting souls, doesn't sound like a good guy. It's just, it just makes no sense to me. Like, you know, you know what? The one thing I was thinking through the whole film, honestly, mm. I wish this was spawn. <laughs> yeah that's that's all i could think i was like i really wish i was watching spawn right now um it, 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 it's a cowpole spawn or it's a cheap, <laughs> a cheap man spawn you know what i mean like it's safe it's neutral i just wish it was i just wish it was i wish it was grittier i just wish it wasn't you know what i dare say i wish it wasn't a marvel film because maybe they put the handbrake on it for that you know i don't know well it's that's the whole thing with ghost wide rate that it sometimes is good sometimes he's bad yeah Mm. Um, and you, de- it's never really explained, like you said. You, you don't know anything about it, and you still don't after watching the film. Yeah, you're not the wiser, are you really? And, and as Matt just said, when Mephisto, when he offers him the chance to go back, and he comes out with this long, "I'm the spirit of vengeance, and I'll get my vengeance on you, so I'll keep." This. It made no sense. And, and to be honest, I'd long given up the ghost on this film by this point. It was just monotonous towards the end i thought it was bad at the beginning but towards the end it was just plodding along paint by numbers yeah car crash for me you know what you, you missed the, the whole part that one of the best scenes of the whole film where the bikes going up the side of the building mm. <laughs> which other again bear in mind it was 2007 so it's i can't remember ever seeing anything like that before then where you got a, a bike on fire going up the side of a glass building. Again, where you had like the little bits where you had the the windows smashing and the other the uh, window cleaner. Bit of uh, bit of Superman love there. Mm. Um, and using the um, throwing a helicopter like a frisbee. Genius. There were some good things. There were some good things in it like that. Like when the um, the traffic cop he's going to try and get the speedometer or gets his, his traffic gun out to get the speed and he zooms past him. He blows up the billboard and that was cool. It was cool. There was some, there were some really cool visuals in there, but it was just, that was sadly foreplay to very underwhelming. Um, I don't know what word you want to use for it, but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> it wasn't very satisfying. Put it that way. Mm, yeah. You know, as as usual with these things, it's again, it's got the core of a good idea, and it's got good good execution in parts. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they used all the money they had on the cool stuff and had no story to back it up with. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and the story that they did have was split into three different sections. There was funny. There was a very weird love interest for no real reason, and and then demon nonsense. 
So it's it's like a mix of ideas, and none of them stuck for me. Mm. So. It was all over the shop. And you, know, it, part, you know, in the original, the comics or whatever it is, is um, Ghost Rider in the same ballpark as Deadpool in terms of not the murk of the mouth, but you know, he's he's meant to be a wisecracker. He's meant to have like comedic elements to him. No, I don't really. think so. I think he's quite straight laced, quite um, quite a tough character. But he's not one that I can confess I've read a lot of, to be honest. Mm. But whenever I've seen him, he's always appeared as like a supplementary character in maybe an mm. Avengers story. Yeah. And... Well, you look at look at the Blade films, and I know that Blade's getting more mentions every week. Um, <laughs> that where's your snorts plays Blade pretty much on the no- on the nose. He's perfect for it. Perfect. And Blade's not making wisecracks all the time. There's like there's one or two like little looks to camera and stuff, but it's not a funny film. It's not a funny character. Mm. And then nail that. And with this, he doesn't really nail that part of it. So, yeah. and again, Marvel pre MCU. That's what you get. Mm. Yeah. So obviously that was the film. Stu, do you want to guess what the budget of this movie was? Oh God. Uh, seven, eighty, ninety, something like that. Matt, what do you reckon? Higher or I lower? Reckon, I reckon higher. I reckon the explosions, the explosion budget for supersedes that. So higher. It is higher. It's not massively higher. The the budget was about one hundred and ten million. Matt, do you want to guess what the re, the box office return was? <laughs> um. I'm, well, I'm trying to guess by so I'm trying to guess by your voice, but I'm going to go. I reckon it probably did okay. To be fair, I reckon. Okay. It, I reckon. It, I reckon it was under budget, but I reckon it was about ninety-five. Stu, what do you reckon? Well, it got a sequel, so I'm guessing that it did either two or three times its its actual cost. Yeah, yeah, it got two hundred and twenty-eight point <laughs> seven million dollars, and like. At this point, we're still a year away from the MCU starting, and we've only had the first X-Men trilogy and the Spider-Man trilogies. So comic book movies, you know, they're on their way back, but it's still in its infancy, so it had a fantastic return. But the IMDb, the fan rating score was a 5.2, with a 35 Metacritic score. Rotten Tomatoes fan score was 48%. The critic score on Rotten Tomatoes was 26%. <laughs> so, the good, the bad, and the mad. Right, um, Stu, do you want to start us off? Tell us what you think. The good, there was some excellent, excellent scenes, practically-wise. and mm-hmm. But you did go from, I can we mention at the start, there were some scenes where the CG was spot on, but others, even his flaming head looked shit. And how can you, how you have a budget of that much at that time and have your main character looking like a joke? Mm-hmm. That was it the worst a... of the graphics. Actually, was the, yeah. the rider himself. And you can't yeah. say that oh, you, they can't do flames because you had flames on the bike, you had flames on the road, you had flames all over the place. And yeah, a lot of them practical. But how hard is it to just? You could have had a, a you could have had an actual metal skull and mm-hmm. put set it on fire, captured that and replaced it with what they had. But again, that's that's the bad. The bad is the the, the bad is the love story part. That it was just nonsense. Yeah. Love story and the and the bad CGI. But the, the, the good, 
they're good. I will say so. Some of the effects and some of the ideas were were entertaining for me. Crazy Cage, Crazy Cage times where <laughs> he, he he was on the verge of going too far, um, but it worked for me. Um, but other than that, the one really it wasn't a crazy film. It was just mediocre, sadly. Matt, what about yourself? Good. Um, Ozzy Osbourne used all <laughs> the <used> Black Sabbath <laughs> uh, yeah. in the when they introduce um, Senior Cage, uh, grown up Johnny uh, Johnny Blaze. Um, though they, I think they used Crazy Train when mm. really they yes. should have used Iron Man. But there we go. Um, the bad would have been. <sighs> Either or Roxy, um, her kind of hapless, brainless, needless character um, that, you know, again, the, the time, you've got to think of the time that this this film was set, but they do absolutely nothing for the conception of women in this film at all. She's talked into, not talked into bed because we don't see it, though she would have. She's just talked into. <laughs> she's had her heart broken, but she'll she'll have a date just because he's done a wheelie on a bike. She'll like dote after him, you know, constantly. She's asking the bloke in the restaurant if she's pretty, and he says no, no. <laughs> even Mendes, no. Um, and she's just she's just a bit part player. There's no there's absolutely no need for it to be there. Um, mm. as a like they could have you know it's just, it's insulting really. If I was if I was um. If I was more angry about these kind of things, I'd be writing a strongly worded letter, put it that way. <laughs> um, the crazy, um, one thing I did quite like, and I thought the, the, with the time that she had, she did quite well, was the little cameo from Rebel Wilson as the um, the like, goth girl who got mm. interviewed by... I thought it was just quite a funny little uh, interaction, um, though <laughs> it just puts like... So for people listening in America, I don't know what you call it, but over here especially in this part of the world, they're called Grebos. That's exactly like <laughs> what, what we look like, especially like about 10 years ago when I used to hang around in town and with like all black chains, dog collar, the lot. And yeah. he just made me cringe. The goth, the goth kids from South Park. Basically, yeah. Yeah, Basically. yeah that's um, it. But I thought she um, she did quite a bit with a little bit of, um, little bit of screen time that added a, a little bit of... Um, comic relief from some of the chicanery that was going on yeah i mean i've got rebel wilson down as my good it was her first film film appearance and it was quite really? good to see her and and obviously she's gone on to do some wonderful stuff so i thought it was quite cool the bad uh, wes bentley so he was the icd men blackheart he said that this film was made during the period of time that he would accept any old shite <laughs> just just to get the money to feed his drug habit <laughs> So you only did this to get cocaine, and I think you can kind of tell. And the crazy for me, it's the number of cliches. So we get the selling the soul to the devil, the meeting the devil at the crossroads, the superhero parent dying, the poor man's with great power comes great responsibility speech, <laughs> the needless amount of green screen in a comic book film. The fact that the bad guys are basically just the good guy, but, you know, colour changed almost. There was just so many of your comic book cliches in this movie. And also the other thing as well, Nicolas Cage apparently wrote some of the script. And I would fucking love to know which bits of the script he wrote. It's bound to have been the worst stuff, isn't it, as well? Oh, dear. Yeah. So, 
the two questions. First up, Matthew, did you enjoy this film? Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Well, to be fair, I, I enjoyed it a lot more until I came on the podcast, actually, because I've taught myself, <laughs> I ta- I've taught myself out of it. I enjoyed it, um, but I wouldn't recommend it, put it that way. I enjoyed it because um, there were some things in the back of my mind in the in the bits of the film that I thought were quite cool. Heavy metal there, flames, bikers, the leather jacket with the studs that pop out that I definitely had when I was 15. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. <laughs> I, you know, I enjoyed those elements. But as a, would I recommend it? No, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Stu, did you enjoy it? In parts. There, there, were, there were definitely parts of it that I, I had a good time with. But there was a lot more kind of laughing at it and kind of shrugging my shoulders thinking, if we didn't do this, would I be watching this? And the answer to that is no. Because <laughs> I've watched, watched it before and I had no intention of ever watching it again. Even though, saying that, I did, like I said, there, there's parts of it that are, that are decent. And... I'd be lying if I said I'm never going to watch this again because I probably will at some point because it's you can put if it's one of them things where you just if you're like, you read an article or something you don't you put some back some background noise or something like that and put it on in the background then you could go a lot worse than this and that's kind of damning with faint praise but it was it was all right it was nothing it was nothing better than all right so yeah I mean it's not going to surprise you when I say no I didn't enjoy this <laughs> film. I was just bored. It was not bad enough to be laughing at it, and it wasn't fun. It wasn't good enough to be, you know, along for the ride. It just sort of happened. Actually, said it's just background noise. And I'd rather have a terrible film or a great film than just a middle of the road film. It did nothing for me. Um, so the other question we ask was: Nicholas Cage good in this film? I'll kick this one off. I didn't think he was like i said earlier i felt that he was forcing it you can tell that he's got a you know a great affinity to johnny blaze ghost rider but that doesn't mean he put in a good performance Stu, what do you think again i thought he was all right so on on the scale of one or good or bad it's got to be good just about okay so it, for me it wasn't it wasn't too forced and it was just for his scenes, it was just the right side of Schlocky, just about. It was the people around him had a terrible time, but him, him as as Nicholas Cage, just the right side. So yes, that's fair. Matt, this is really tough. This because it's it, it's a yes or no answer, and and I'm like Stu, but you know there were some funny bits to his character. You know, I wish they'd have made him a little bit more of a dick as a celebrity. Um, this is kind of 52 to 48 Brexit vote territory here. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say, unfortunately, no, as a 52% kind of thing, um, because it's just, I think his transformation into the Ghost Rider initially, I really, really liked. But apart from that, it could have been, it could have been any Hollywood actor. I don't think he brings a lot apart from that transformation that anybody else couldn't have done. So for that reason, I'm out. Excellent. So that's Ghost Rider 2007 done. Let's roll straight on and talk about Ghost Rider 2 Spirit of Vengeance. 
My name is Johnny Blaze. I'm the Ghost Rider. So the first thing I read about this film is that it wasn't pre-screened to the critics. That is a surefire sign that this film is about to shit the bed big time. Yeah, I wonder why that was. Yeah, yeah. So, like the other film, this one starts with absolute incomprehensible bollocks. (laughs) 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 Idris Elba rolls up into this small monastery in the middle of nowhere and he tells Anthony Head that some kid isn't safe. And then this mercenary army attacks. And somehow all these monks try and fight them off, like hand-to-hand combat. Uh, But obviously they all get fucked and Idris Elba manages to survive the day. Five minutes of that as well. It like really dragged. Weird scene to kick off the film. French Idris Elba as well. Yeah, that I've got a point about the uh, the accent because that is not a good accent. <laughs> well, I, I did. Sorry, say, I, I did think that I'd I'd downloaded the wrong film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't this even is... realise Idris was in it until like. No, well, again, the same old, the same. Um, just to keep it relevant of all the films that i've never seen before i didn't look anything up about it who was in it i just looked it found it got it watched it and because there's no title card straight away either it just kind of it comes straight into it so i genuinely thought is this the right film or not and but at this point i was genuinely intrigued what it was and then it kind of it went downhill after that (laughs) and matt what did you think with this uh this this murdering of monks at the beginning um Two, two notes that I had. Um, first thing was the best thing that could have happened happened at the start of the film, and I paused it, and it said it was ninety minutes long, um, <laughs> which was first thing I checked as well. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, thank God for that. And the second thing, my note was priests have Wi-Fi because you're going to go into this this room of like uh, MI5 level um, technology. Um, but yeah, against you, I was completely like, what what the hell is going on here? Am I you know, is this, um, am I watching the right thing? Is Because I've never watched um, Luther or anything like that. Oh. I was like, have I, have, I, have I got the wrong thing here? Um, I didn't know how it tied in. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really understand it. But um, I was intrigued, but probably for all the wrong reasons. Uh, so Idris Elba gets away and then he gets to meet Nick Cage. And Nick Cage didn't have a massive amount of uh, a Texan accent in his last film. But there was a slight one. And in this one, he's just completely stopped bothering even trying to do an accent. <laughs> he's just his normal Nick Cage self. So accent watch, we're like two for O at the minute with Idris and uh, Cage. Not good. You know, I know I, I said at the beginning of the last film, I hate these shitty monologues. But I quite liked this comic book style recap of the first yeah. movie. I thought it was really good. I Love mean, the, the stuff where he shows his bum twice. I like not really that funny a gag but whatever you know if they'd have actually told the first film in this animated style i'd probably have enjoyed it a bit more than what i actually did but at the end when um when he's doing the voiceover and he says that the ghost rider he will kill you if you if you hurt people or if you was if you download stuff i'm thinking is this just an (laughs) anti-piracy message yeah 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 (laughs) but what i said before about the um the first one where this if you're taking someone to watch a film that they've got no idea about what it is, this summed, this little segment summed it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. And again, but I do think, though, have they just blatantly copied this from the Incredible Hulk film, where you had the um, his transformation and backstory in the sim, not in this kind of style, but because the first Hulk film 
well, Ang Lee's Hulk film doesn't count in the MCU. They used the same story, didn't they? But not yeah. count that film. So, as a recap, they just did it quickly. And this is that's what this reminded me of. I thought, well, there you go. You've just told the whole story of the first film in what forty-five seconds. Yeah, where she took you two fucking hours. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's a point I forgot to mention before. Apparently, that's the extended version. There was a, a shorter version that was like an hour, uh, hundred and ten minutes. So I watched the 123 minutes and I am fucking livid about it. Yeah, that's what I heard. 13 minutes, that's stolen from me. (laughs) 13 minutes. Uh, Anyway, yep. So Idris Elba finds and tells Johnny Blaze that he needs his help to save this kid. Blaze turns into the Ghost Rider. Somehow the graphics look cheaper, but better than in the first for me. I don't know what it was. It was the fact that it looked a bit rawer. Maybe because they they didn't have the money to just throw at the CG that they could... do a bit more practical effects. I quite liked that. It had an almost um, Ray Harryhausen style effect to it. It was dirty as well. Yeah, I, I liked that. I thought it was better. I thought it was much better. Like to have it, you know, they're in bellowing smoke all the time, and he was like a burnt man as opposed to a mm. like a demon on fire. I thought that he looked so much cooler in this film mm. than he did in the first one. Um, and that that's for me made it in an odd way i was more engaged because of it i thought actually now he looks like a badass now i believe in this character now because mm. he looks cool as opposed to before looking so hokey cokey do you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, we're also now told that peter fonda has changed into kieran hines for reasons uh, and well the... you do you know the reason why i do yes yeah, yeah. do you want to uh, tell the people uh, Peter Fonda read the first five pages and pretty much said, fuck now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think rightly so as well. <laughs> yeah. So Peter Fonda apparently wanted to play the role as well. So he went to them and said he was up for playing it. They sent him the script and they put him off. That's how bad it wow. was. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, we also find out at this point that the boy that the rider is trying to save is this son of a demon. The bad guys then kidnap the demon spawn, but not before an interception from Johnny Blaze. How many edits were in this scene? I don't <laughs> think the camera held a shot for more than three quarters of a second. It was just, here's Johnny Blaze, here's a bad guy, here's another bad guy, here's a gun, Johnny Blaze. And it was just constant. And I was just like, just calm it down. Well, I've, got, I've got here, Ghost Rider cross born identity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it, yeah, absolutely. Shaky cam overload. Mm. Uh, so Johnny Blaze, he kills some henchmen with ease. Is the penance stare the shittest finishing move in all of comic books <laughs> history? It's, it's not very visually exciting, is it, to just see a skull staring at someone as they scream? I was yeah. expecting a like a Harry Potter dementor thing going on. Um, and it never really, he just he just stared for ages and ages mm. and it just felt like it went on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't look impressive at all. I'll tell you what, though, there was one cliche that didn't happen in this scene that I wished had happened. One of the other henchmen drops to his knees and I was expecting him to piss himself and he didn't. <laughs> I, was just, like, I just expected there to, there to, there to run the whole... He's going to piss himself. We're going to see a trickle mm. of... Uh, and it never happened. And I was, yeah. I was... I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed. <laughs> uh, in the next scene, we 
get to meet the kid's mother when Johnny Blaze is sort of stalking her, trying to find out what's going on. And these are the words that she actually says to him. Who sent you to find me? Was it the devil? The devil who walks amongst men? Does the devil own you? Answer me. Stop saying fucking devil. Christ, this script. I mean, the first film was bad. The script in this was even worse. Is this is this the part where he says, I'm flirting with you as well? Or is that like a couple of scenes <laughs> later on? That's with the, that's uh, with the nurse. It's like a really yeah. awkward interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's blown up. Yeah, budget Helen Bonham Carter does nothing for me in this film. <laughs> she really doesn't. She's not good. I mean, none of them are good, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they then decide to team up in order to find the boy. In the scene where they're driving together, Nick Cage looks like he's aged about 30 years since the last film. He looks like he's in quite <sighs> bad shape at this point. Mm. I don't know what it is, but he's, um, he seems to have given up the ghost a little bit. You know what? It's, it's, he ain't got the wig on. That's what it is. Oh, shit, yeah. We haven't, I haven't even done wig watch yet. No wig? Why has he dropped the wig? Maybe, maybe that's what the whole point was, that no wig means he's going to look older and more decrepit. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So Johnny Blaze and the demon boy mama track down the scumbags who help them find the boy. This is the scene I was talking about in uh, in the last film when it was the forced crazy cage. So when they're sort of pinning the guy up against the wall trying to get the information out of him and Nicolas Cage is just almost, oh I say Nicolas Cage, Johnny Blaze is holding on to his humanity but the demon's trying to come through. It just felt so forced in this scene. It was, it felt really out of place. It was, it was comedic in a, not supposed to be funny. It was aggressively shit. I yeah, think is what I'm trying to say. When his his one eye starts popping black and yeah. fading in and out, and it it was almost like watching the mask. Yeah, yeah, that exactly it. Wasn't good. Didn't didn't uh, suit the tone of this film at all. I didn't feel. I quite like the idea that um, it was almost withdrawal symptoms isn't the right word, but I quite like the idea that he's he's uncomfortable and he's sweating and he knows it's going to come out. But then when we get to the interrogation part, was where it went. It was it was dulled a, a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought initially I thought actually this is quite a nice touch here. He's like he's panicking, he's sweating, he's he's getting you know agitated. But then it got to the point where it was a little, it was a little, it was a little overkill. Mm. So in the next scene, Johnny Blaze recovers the boy. They then go on the run, but not before the rider manages to turn some construction equipment into his hell machine. PlayStation Two, eat your heart out. Yes. Yeah, it was a uh, shoddy CG. I think is uh, what I'll say there. <laughs> well, you know what it, it reminded me of because just because we've been talking about it recently, the. Um... The new Fast and Furious game, where that kind of machine yeah. is in that game, and it looks the same. Yeah, yeah. I, because you sent us that video yesterday, and I watched this film for the second time yesterday, just to make some notes. And that was the first thing that came to my mind was that game. <laughs> yeah. So Mephisto gives the head henchman the powers of decay. So everything he rot- touches just rots and dies except for the clothes he's wearing the car he's driving or anything which he actually needs to use <laughs> very convenient when he decides to use it i think that one and the uh, the plastic around whatever he was eating as well the twinkie wasn't yeah i think that is a joke because the twinkie is supposed to survive a nuclear war 
So everything else he picked up decayed, but the Twinkie is so full of sugar and shit that it wouldn't decay. I think that's the joke. But what but is a Twinkie? It's um, it's like it's a fluffy cake thing with <clears throat> it's quite greasy, and there's cream in the middle as well. I think you can get them from Asda and Tesco for the uh, the English listeners. To to our friend Todd Dewitt, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll be able to explain it better than I could. Can it's we get him to give us a, a yeah. thirty second description on for the next question cast? Yeah, that's it. Please, yeah. Todd. Yeah, if you can send Vin- that over, that'd be great. Video evidence as well. Yeah, please. Um, so yeah, whilst I enjoyed the first comic book style recap, we've now had like another couple since, and I'm a oh. little bit bored of it. It was funny first time, but stop it now. Like, you don't Did, need to keep showing us Hellrider's bum. Was this the point where we have a visual... Uh, easy for me to say. A visual representation of gonorrhea, where he's pissing fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's just about to come. That oh, is it? Yeah. So <laughs> when they go on the run together with, with the boy, he explains to him... Well, the boy asks him, what do you do when you need to go for a pee when you're the, the demon? And then he like, says, oh, it's like a flamethrower. Which the only reason they seem to have done that is to then do the callback later in the film where they show it again. And that wasn't funny first time. It sure as shit wasn't funny second time. Especially with that terrible kid acting. Did the... You know, the, the bit... Like the the, um, or the comic book bit with the flamethrower. Was that just to save money, you think? Just because it, it just looked... Like you said, it's unnecessary why they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like you've... We've played games like that before, where they they haven't got the money to make. I think Max Max Payne did it as well, the first one, where you had the the cutscenes weren't cutscenes; they were comic books. And you think I know this is a long time ago, but it was cheaper to do it as a comic book, and obviously PS2 graphics were the best anyway. But that's what it reminded me of. I thought, have you just run out of money and you're just doing this to enhance the story a bit because you've tested it on people, but they obviously hadn't. But, I mean, it wasn't even necessary. No. The kid asked him, what do you need to pay? He could just say, oh, it's like a flamethrower. You don't need to show it. I mean, it's not a particularly funny joke anyway, so <laughs> what was the point? Mm. I don't know. Idris Elba now meets up with the rider, the demon boy, and the demon boy's mama. Uh, he takes the gang to see the Highlander, promising to remove the curse of the ghost rider for Blaze. Why does he want it removing now? I mean, he was quite happy to keep it in the last film. Why now? Yeah. We, we're not. Maybe his life has gone to shit and he wants rid of it. But they've not demonstrated that in the film to show us that his life's gone to shit. So no. I, I, I don't get it. it. Just seemed weird. And also, it was this point in the film that I realised what the fuck's happened to his job. He was a stuntman in the last film, and now he's just <laughs> he's just knocking around on industrial estates in the middle of nowhere. What's going on? <laughs> So, word on Christopher Lambert, or however you want to pronounce his name, is that accent worse than Idris Elba's? <laughs> Quite possibly. Mm, it's not a good one. Matt, what were you thinking when the Highlander rocked up in this film? Um, I, can I can I make a, a confession here? Never seen Highlander, believe it or not. I'm assuming this is the guy who plays Raiden in Mortal Kombat. Yes. Raiden, yes. not Raiden. That's, um, that's I was... I was strangely kind of transfixed because I was like, you're, you're riding, aren't you? You're riding, aren't you? And, then, mm-hmm. and I just didn't, um, I was just expecting him to come out with like these 90s cheesy lines. Um, 
and uh, you know I'm I'm a sucker for these like kind of um, religious um, evil religious films like things like Constantine and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I thought this was going to be um, that they were going to do the cult stuff a little more than they did, um, and I was a little disappointed with it if I was honest. That's fair. How many of the Highlanders have you seen, Stu? All of them, of course. Fucking hell, really? I think. Well, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> there's, there's been about five, hasn't there? I think. I think. I'm oh, I've seen the w- two. I've seen the, the first two, and they're bad. The one, the the video ones. I'm just thinking if I have seen all of them now. Hmm. What's the tagline of a Highlander? Is it there can be only one, or there is only one, or something like that? That's the thing, isn't it? Like there can only be one Highlander or something. You just, just, just watch it. It's, it's fun. Mm. And not, and not the, even in the, the kind of the voice of reason here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the first one's almost unwatchable. The second one's not so bad. Un- uh, unwatchable. I, actually, I think I've seen the third one as well. Scimitar. Hang on, no. Oh no, there's that's the. Uh, Fuck me, there's novels and everything. Right, so you've got Highlander, 86. Highlander 2, The Quickening, from 91. Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. I think I've seen that one. Highlander Endgame, 2000. Highlander Search for Vengeance, 2007. And Highlander The The Source, 2007. So they released two films in 2007, which is not a good sign. I haven't seen The Source. And they've, they've got, like, animated series and... Yeah, there's yeah, an animated the show and two TV shows. Yeah. Highlander the series and Highlander the Raven. Hold your horses. Sean Connor is it? Sean Connor is in Highlander apparently. Yeah, he's yeah. in the second one. Okay, I'm 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 interested now. You've, they've got my attention. Just watch the second one and. Do I need? Can I? Hold on. Professional wrestlers: Greg Gagne, Jim Brunzel, Sam Fatu, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts appear as themselves. In the film's opening sequence, at a tag team match. What? Am I on the am I on the right thing here? And that's for um, Highlander Two: The Quickening. No, I think this is the first one. Oh, okay. It's been a very long time since I've seen these, and like Greg Gagne is quite a deep cut of a wrestler. To be <laughs> fair, so might not have recognised him. You know, the first ones I got a seven point one on IMDb. Sign me up. Maybe I need to revisit the first one. I remember being quite bored, but it, like I say, it was at least the mid nineties. So we're talking probably about twenty-five years since. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Highlander monk set remove the curse of the rider before announcing their true intentions to kill the boy demon. And honestly, they probably should just kill him, shouldn't they? <laughs> that that would be the easiest thing to do to make sure the world would be safe. Yeah, isn't it? Again, it was here, and I thought, why is he the only? Why is he the only one who's got writing all over his face? Not explained. Um, but the actual—that's I expected that scene to be really shit. The whole the the taking the uh, the powers away thing. Mm. But I thought that was actually okay. It was okay. It was it was much better than I thought it would be. So I'll give them that one. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but before the Highlanders can kill the boy, Decay rocks up and kills them all, taking the boy back for Mistopheles. Elba, Blaze and the kid's mom then go to get the demon boy back. We get 20 minutes of loud noises, just go on, <laughs> to be perfectly honest here. Decay kills Elba uh, as he's then about to kill Blaze. The demon boy breathes hellfire into Blaze's face. Bit weird. Uh, after a chase, <laughs> they get the boy back, but he's dead. 
This is when Blaze remembers that Elba once told him that the demon inside him was an angel. And so he figures out that he can bring the boy back from the dead. Like, we've never had any of this before. Why does he just assume at this point he can rescue mm. the kid? Weird. Uh, the Ghost Rider's Hellfire then turns to blue because heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. sequel. Uh, right, Stu, what was the budget on this one then? He looked about five quid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be less than the original, just because of it. It didn't look... Weirdly, it looked much better, and in other parts, it looked worse. Yeah. So, and it it had a completely different vibe to it as well to the first film. This yeah, is why I, I don't... Like it, it, so I was thinking about it. The amount of sequels that have gone like this where... Terminator to Terminator 2 are completely separate, different films, almost different genres, mm-hmm. but they're both excellent. And where you've gone from an all right film to something that's had potential and it's gone completely the other way, it made it worse. So, 90 million maybe? I can't, I can't see it being more than that, surely. Matt, what do you reckon? I reckon it's had a, a, a decent drop. I'm going to say like 70. 57 million. Well, well, they think it was between 57 and maybe 75, but I've read a few different sources saying 57, which is quite a drop off when the previous film got 200 million. Matt, what do you think the gross box office return was? Well, you know, with how well the the first one did, I don't know because I don't know. It can't have it can't have done as well. It, it can't have done as well. So was it 50, 50 something? It was about fifty-seven. Yeah, I reckon he probably, I reckon he probably did about eighty. Stu, what do you reckon? Oh, well, I, I was thinking it's it's probably doubled its money, but hundred million, and can, again for the same reason that there isn't a third film, and that's there's probably reasons for that. So maybe maybe doubled its money, maybe. Hundred and thirty-two million return. Okay. So, uh, yeah, more than doubled its money. The only th- I can only assume that at this point, the MCU is in full swing by mm-hmm. 2012, is it, this one? Um, so people might have thought this was tied into that and went to see it. Mm. That, that's all I can think, because it's shit and it does not deserve that much money. <laughs> <laughs> so IMDb, it was a 4.3 with a 34 meta score. The fans gave it a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics gave it an 18%. Which I think is quite generous, if I'm perfectly honest. (laughs) Uh, So the good, the bad and the crazy. For me, the good, it was half an hour shorter than Ghost Rider 1. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, great. Um, Seriously, the best thing about this is Ghost Rider after this film reverted back to Marvel Studios. So it's sort of been erased and they can go forward and do something else with it. Um, I know we briefly spoke about it before the film, so I'll mention it now. In the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, they brought in a character, uh, Robbie Reyes, who is the Ghost Rider. He's the possibly the fourth or the fifth incarnation in the comic books of the character. Um 
it doesn't appear that they're going to be going up forward with that version of Ghost Rider as he has been released from his Marvel contract. So there is rumours that Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze is going to be appearing in the next Doctor Strange film. Hmm. So I'm quite excited to see that, that they may do something. Uh, Stu, I know you've obviously, as we've spoke about previously being an MCU fan, have you got any uh, info on what may or may not be going on? I mean, obviously, I've watched all of Agents. Well, apart from the series finale, which was last night, so I'm going to watch that in a minute, um, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they have a whole series dedicated to Ghost Rider in that, and that is MCU canon. So, but at the start, there is a rider on a bike who gives the power to Roy Reyes. So... Ah. Right, yes, that is canon uh, in the comic books. So that is uh, someone, Ketch, Daniel Ketch, something like that, who is Johnny Blaze's long-lost brother, who is also a Ghost Rider. He's the third Ghost Rider. Yeah, Uh, so anyway, that was my good. My bad is that kid could not act for shit. He was terrible. (laughs) And my crazy, um, there were two directors of this film. So he's had twice the brain power, but half the skills. Cause it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eva Mendes refused to return for this film as well. And I cannot hold it against her because I, I can see why she would have done. Matt, what's your good, bad and crazy? Uh, good, um, rightly or wrongly, I don't know. But I really, really liked the scene where they're in like the quarry or whatever it is. And he jumps in that massive digger. And turns it into some hell machine that um, was like just destroying everything. They got javelins out mm. and they're firing rockets um, and they're doing all sorts of, of crazy stuff like that. I just really enjoyed that. It was silly and it was fun and I, and I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I, I'm really clutching at straws here, like so much clutching compared to. I think we were talking about how Face Off is like the Joker and Batman and loads of things like that. But the, it, it, this film had a real Metal Gear Solid feel about it to me for some strange reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was like the javelins and, and the um, and the combat. And in the first one, in the first Ghost Rider film, they have the scene when, when he's on the roof and the helicopter comes up and meets him on the roof, just like the first Metal Gear Solid. It just had that, that vibe to it for me. Um, the bad. Where do I start, really? <laughs> um, it's just... Um, for the same reasons that you um, that I mentioned, sorry about like the cult and everything else. All I could think about, um, maybe because of this podcast, is when they had the cult in like the amphitheater or whatever it was when they're doing like the ceremony. Just thinking of um, bloody hot fuzz and the greater good. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. That's all I could think. Of. Like it, yeah, it just felt really hokey. It just, it just, it, it, you know. And I think at this point, I was, you know, I, I, myself was begging for the sweet release of death. To be honest, because. It was just, I was, I'd lost the interest at this point. I was like, I, I was out. I was detached from everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy, is there any reason why um, Blaze did the Wakanda forever when he saw <laughs> um, the demon to hell? That's, I, I, I didn't understand that. Was that something, you know, and no are, we to, are we yeah. to assume that the, the, the core of the earth is hell and not? a spiritual plane or something like that. I don't know. It just seemed really silly, but yeah, we did Wakanda forever when he, when he, when he defeated his enemy. And I thought that was just silly. Stu, what are you saying? It's, 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 well, 
it's trying to think of something that's not been said. It's you just kind of echoed every, everything that you both said. It's the good again. The action it was well done for for what it, for what it's worth. The action scenes were well done. Mm. Um, but yeah, bad. The rest of it, it's <laughs> it's just. I'm gonna I'm gonna link bad and crazy here because, oh, like I said it changing a film so much from the original. For no real reason, when you had you had a half decent thing going for you, to change tack and make it worse, it that's got to be the bad part about it, and it's it's a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but just the acting was just bad, 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 bad. But it didn't frustrate me, even though it was a it was a bad film. It didn't make me angry or frustrate me like certain other things have. Um, so it's just one of them. It's I'm not. I doubt I'll ever watch this again. To be fair, mm. and we'll, we'll go on go on to that now because yeah. So yeah, carry on then. So did you enjoy this film? No, exactly. Not really. It was. I felt when you find yourself falling asleep in a film that's only an hour and a half long. <laughs> yeah. And that that was after the the, the well, we said about the um the scene with the monks, which I enjoyed, and then I kind of. Uh, I had to shape myself a bit, and not like that. It was that entertaining, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt myself falling asleep, and I thought this is all fate, all fate at night. It's ridiculous. So it's, it, it was just again, there was a, a f- not even a few good. There was a few good ideas, a few sick pieces, but the ideas it might it could have been a pretty different film. You definitely need to have Ghost Rider in it, mm. and like we mentioned last week on about um, how. The later Dread film was like the raid, where it, uh, it didn't really need to be Dread at all, but it, it worked. This had Ghost Rider in a film that wasn't a Ghost Rider film, and it didn't work at all for me. It was just nonsense. So, no, I don't really enjoy it, to be fair. Matt, what about yourself? Yeah, it had some good elements. You know, there were some things that I enjoyed about it. There were, there were, there were, there were parts I enjoyed about it. So, like you mentioned, the comic book elements of it, I enjoyed. Some of the action scenes were, were really good. I really enjoyed them. Um, the look of Ghost Rider in this film was ten times better than the look um, in the in the first film. Um, but I still, if you asked me now and offered me money to recite the plot of this film, I couldn't tell you <laughs> because it just it just exists as a you know what I mean. Like I couldn't. There's this like the whole like I thought they were going somewhere with like Idris Elba and and the wine he's drinking and and I thought they were going somewhere with that. He's pretty inconsequential, Idris Elba in this film. Really, I mean, it's, it's not a lot that he brings to it, which is a shame. Um, and it just apart from apart from you know some of the action and that, it's a shame. You know what I think. It, it, I think it's a shame more than anything. I'm disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, when I watched it, I don't know if either of you have seen Punisher Warzone. Oh. It kind of reminded me of that, but in a bad way. Because I thought Punisher Warzone, it's it's not a direct sequel to the, the previous films, but it's a film that's done in a slightly different manner to the others it ratchets up the sort of hard camp elements of comic book. Mm-hmm. But it also is an R-rated film. 
And I feel that if this film had gone down that road, it could have been a lot more fun than it was. It would never have been good, but it could have been fun. <laughs> Much like Punisher Wars, that is just a good, fun film. So if anything good comes out of this film, is it's made me want to watch Punisher Warzone again. Uh, but I did see an interview with Nicolas Cage where he said that he thinks these both should have been R-rated films as well. Mm. It's hard to argue with that. I think if if they'd have really gone for it, they could have made it a lot more interesting than it was. It was a jack of all trades and a master of none, personally. Uh, so the other question is obviously good or bad. <clears throat> For me, this is one of the worst Nick Cage performances we've seen. Like I said, it felt forced. It felt like it was... Nick Cage knows what he's sort of famous for at this point. He's doing these over-the-top crazy characters. And he's trying to force it. And it... I don't know. It just felt me feeling very uh, very unsatisfied at the end of it. Stu, good or bad? The... The scene that we mentioned about it earlier, about where it was forced, there was another one as well where he was on the bike and he started laughing like uncontrollably. Yes, yes. I thought, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing this for? So this is not... You've been, you've been Ghost Rider for God knows how long at this point. You wouldn't be, be, you wouldn't be doing this. And I thought, this is just... It's way, way too over the top. Um, so no, I agree with you 100 percent in this one. It was his performance was really, really piss poor. Mm, yeah. And uh, what about yourself, Matt? Nick, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, <laughs> wasn't a fan, mate. Sorry. It was um, for all the reasons you you both stated. Really, it's um, it's like the band that you really, really enjoy that know they're famous now and become a parody of what they were um i'll probably offend a lot of people when i say this when i say the arctic monkeys in a, in, a, in a way they, they they you know they know they're famous now um mm. and they they kind of just push on what they what they know but do it to a way that isn't anywhere near as good as it used to be um it's just, it's just not fantastic as in this and I, like oh I, I don't know what other projects he had around the time but he was like I, he, he almost had a double chin in one scene. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, wow, like, where's this got, is, is this a, um, actually, is this intentional? Is he downtrodden and he's, you know, he's, you know, he's lost his job, but they don't even explore that. So they don't even make any, any attempt to justify it or anything. I just think, no, it's not fantastic for me. So if you're asking Nick Cage, good or bad, it's a bad. You know what? When you said that, it, it, it almost feels like, it was made in between films as a passion project just for a laugh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at his, uh, the running order of films. In 2010, he did Kick-Ass. He then did Season of the Witch, which is not a good film. Um, Drive Angry, which I fucking love. Can't wait yes. till we get to that one. Trespass, which is bad, but it is fun. He then did this one, and then he's done Stolen, which I don't know, The Crudes, The Frozen Ground, Joe. So he's done a few films that are like high camp, dumb fun. Mm -hmm. He then does this, and then he just goes into a load of films that, to be perfectly honest, uh, that they seem like the straight-to-DVD kind of films that he went through. It was almost like this was the turning point in his career when people started to mock him for actually being a shit actor, when he'd always been... <laughs> A good actor, but 
knowing that he had this crazy side to him. It was almost like the beginning of the bad run, I think this was. Mm-hmm. But yet the fact that only a year before he was in Kick-Ass is quite surprising for me, because I mean that. I mean, I know we'll get to Kick-Ass soon enough, but I mean, that's a very good performance for me, he's put in there, to then go up from that to do this. But the other note I had to, to follow on from yourself, Matt, this felt very much like when Bruce Willis gave up the ghost and just sort of <laughs> piled on the pounds and just thought, fuck it, I'm getting the money anyway, so why should yeah. I bother? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that is Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider 2 done. Thankfully, we won't have to watch those again. Uh, if you would like to join us, if you can join us on Twitter, and we're at CageFightingPod. Drop us an email at cagefightingpod at gmail.com. If you can leave us a review, that would be excellent. It really just helps get other people to, to find out what we're doing. So, for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Hmm. I was just trying to think. The, um, the defining line from all these films was Nick Cage saying, you're the devil's baby mama. And I think, <laughs> you don't need anything more than that, do you? So... See you on the next one. <laughs> Matt, would you like to say goodbye? I would. I'm that hot and bothered. <laughs> I think I'm going to turn into the ghost rider myself at the minute. So <laughs> take it easy, guys. And from me, I'd just like to say, my name is Johnny Blaze, and these films were shit. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>